The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 10th chapter. Some Pharisees came, and to test Jesus, they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of dismissal and to divorce her. But Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote this commandment for you. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Then in the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. He said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them. And the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not stop them. For it is to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated, and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. saw most of you today, didn't I? Yeah, we were in Sunday school together. So, just as a reminder for folks who weren't in Sunday school, what did we talk about today? Yeah? Very good. So, we talked about who's the greatest and we decided, besides God, no one's the greatest, right? Very good. And, yeah? He's got something. Okay. Yeah, God was on the cross, right? Which is this idea of instead of being this all-powerful God, right? God became just like us in order that he might be with us. We also talked about Adam and Eve, right? Now, what, was, uh, what were Adam and Eve? They were together. What did we call them? called them partners. And you guys played with Play-Doh, right? And what did you have to do? Make a partner for what you made? Yeah. You can make whatever you want, and then you had to make a partner for it. So things that made sense together. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and,
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, anything together, as long as they work together. And we talked about how we even have partners today, how we have uh, partners in, their fr- in our friends, in our family, and uh, one day we'll have partners as adults too, our spouses. On today's gospel, in today's reading that we just read, uh, Jesus is talking about uh, partners for those who can't help themselves. And so, uh, when you guys uh, are on the playground, and um, do you ever see anybody that's not very good at the game that you're playing? No? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes I'm that person. Sometimes I'm not very good at kickball or something like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, some of us are good. Yeah, sometimes we're good at playing games, sometimes we're not, right? Sometimes you're good at playing soccer. Now, what do you do when someone's not good at playing soccer or a game or something else? Yeah. Yeah. So you teach them the rules and you help them like learn how to use their feet and all that kind of good stuff. But what if they're like me and they're just really, really bad and they never quite get it? What do you do? Um, you can teach them all over again. Teach them all over again. Oh man, that's going to get boring after a while though, right? Yeah. yeah. It is soft. It's made out of special fabric. Yeah. What do you do? I love that. I love that. Did you hear what she said? You can, you can play another game where that everybody can play. You can make new rules so everybody can play. I like that a lot. Now, how many... But, but what if soccer's like your favorite sport to play, Alyssa? What if soccer's your favorite and, and, and you don't want to give it up? Would that be hard to do? That'd be hard to do, right? Yeah. What? Soccer, exactly. But, and that's, that's why what Amanda said is so special. Jesus tells us that when people are having a hard time and when people can't help themselves, when they're bad at soccer, or even when they have really, really big needs and they need help, Jesus tells us that we go and do not necessarily what we want, but what everybody can participate in, what everybody can do. We are helpful. We are for those who can't help themselves, those who are bad at soccer and everything else, right? What do you got? Um, like, if you're bad at Penn State football. Okay. Yeah. But we still cheer them on, don't we? No matter what. Win or lose. We're fans of whatever team we're fans of. There you go. <laughs> Man, you got to bend all over the place for these. <laughs> Would you guys like to pray for those, and we're going to do a special prayer today. We're going to pray for those who need help, okay? So not just for ourselves, or not just for tomorrow. We're going to pray specifically for those who need help. Do you think that's a good thing to do? All right, we're going to try that out today. Let's pray.
God, we come to you today and we ask that you might be with those who need help, whether they're playing sports, whether they have an injury, whether they're sick or lonely or in need in any way. We ask that you would be with them and if possible, that you would have us help them too. In your name we pray. Amen. Very good. I think we have just enough snacks because I forgot to fill it. My bad, guys. You need to get some more. Yep, I'll get some more. But we do have enough. None, two. Yeah, I know we have enough. Do you want a gummy? There's gummy. There you go. Very good. There you go. You got two, right? Anthony. Anthony. Would you like some? Thank you. Man, just enough, right? Loaves and fishes. Bye. High five. Have fun. In the name of Jesus, amen. We have what I would consider one of the more difficult texts uh, for our particular time in society. We have a text that I have heard in my very um, brief time as a professional clergy person, uh, used and quoted uh, more often as harmful uh, to one another, more often as seen as hurtful to one another, more often seen as uh, condemning one another, um, and I think sometimes unrightfully so then it's been used to give the life that the gospel gives. So we're going to talk about that. In, uh, in our text, I think uh, some of the most quoted pieces that I've heard uh, are three parts. Um, two are a pair, and one comes right after it, and we hear it a lot. The first one, if a man uh, divorces his wife and marries another, he has committed adultery. And the second, if she divorces her husband and marries another, she has committed adultery. And the third which we have placed in the middle of our marriage ceremonies. What God has put together, let no one separate. Or, as you might hear, what God has put together, let no one set asunder. Now, many, many times, we hear these words. And I know most of you have heard these words in the context of divorce, and specifically they tell us not to divorce one another, right? Don't divorce each other. I mean, that's committing adultery. That, that would be in violation of what God has said for us. And in part... That is true. But, just like any piece of scripture, if you take it out of context, it loses the life-giving power that it has. We are held in bondage to the gospel. We are held in bondage to the spirit. What we're not held in bondage to is the law. So let's talk about that. For us, over the past three weeks, including this one, so two weeks prior and this, we've seen a pattern. We have seen uh, Jesus talk about, first he talked about who was the greatest, and then, or the disciples talked about who was the greatest, and he said, you know what, none of these, and then he p- picked out a child and sat in on his lap, and he said, whoever wants to be greatest in the kingdom of God must be like this child. And then secondly, he, uh, well, his disciples were seeing someone cast out demons, and we had talked about this last week, and after they saw someone casting out demons, they said, no, you're not following us. You're not in our group. And so, Jesus, you've got to stop them. And Jesus said, no, 
This isn't what I do. Rather, if you cause even a little one to stumble, such as these, it'd be better if a great millstone were strung around your neck and you were thrown into the lake. Right? And so again, twice in a row, Jesus has uh, pointed to, first, what amounts to an argument of power, and second, what amounts to an argument of spiritual power and spiritual authority, and both times he's pointed to children, those who we talked about the first week as are powerless in that society, and even still today, who really have no voice on behalf of themselves, right? Who need to be cared for. And people such as these, people such as children, people who need to be cared for, those are whom Christ focuses on when it comes to who's got authority and who's got spiritual power. And so the third time, the third time, and Mark does this on purpose, we're talking about divorce. Who's got legal authority and legal precedent in our culture today? And for the third time, Jesus says, children, look at children. Three times in a row. The literary equivalent of this is like a common knock-knock joke that I'm sure you've heard before, but we're going to go through the exercise so you can experience it, right? Because we can. Knock-knock. Banana. Banana. Knock-knock. Banana. Banana. Knock-knock. Orange. Aren't you glad I didn't say banana? There you go. Now, it took 15 seconds for us to figure out the pattern, right? And that's exactly what Mark is doing for you here. Who's, the great, who's got uh, uh, all the power in the kingdom of God? People who, need, uh, people who can't help themselves. Who's got the spiritual power in the kingdom of God? People who cannot help themselves. Who has got the legal power and who's got the legal precedent? Who is the law for? People who can't help themselves. Three times in a row, God does this. And three times in a row, the same answer is there. And so, it is important to highlight in our current culture and in our current context that this text is not talking about. What this is not talking about is people who need to get out of an abusive marriage. This is not talking about people who come together and understand that this marriage is harming them more than it's helping them. It's tearing them apart. This is not talking about divorce as an ultimatum that is always wrong. That is what this text is not talking about. That doesn't fit the pattern, does it? What this text is talking about is the power dynamic that happens in divorce at that time and even can happen now. Because in that time, when you were married, it was as much a financial commitment, it was as much as a uh, political commitment as it was, well, it wasn't even really a relationship commitment. Sometimes it was, but not really. That's not what marriage was based on. So when two people got together and they were married, often it was arranged, and if a husband would divorce his wife, that wife would be without everything. There's no source of income. There's no source of, source of housing. There's no family ties. I mean, hopefully she can go back to her family, but there's not even that. You're out. You're on your own. You've got nothing. This is someone who cannot stick up for themselves because they are now divorced. And so what this text is talking about is what this same text has been talking about two times in a row. People who cannot survive on their own. People who cannot help 
themselves. Even though they tried very, very hard, that wasn't the issue. People who cannot help themselves. That's the issue in the text. And then Jesus does something very, very interesting. He says, if a husband divorces his wife and marries another, he has committed adultery. And then he says, if she divorces her husband and marries another, she has committed adultery. Which is very interesting because I'll let you know right now, the husband had no time, not a hard time at all, keeping his job. Not a hard time at all. Having money, having some place to stay. That was not an issue for the husband. So why would Jesus say that? Because ultimately, just like we learned in Sunday school, ultimately, God sees these two people as equal. You both can help one another by maintaining that relationship, by thinking about one another, by keeping this marriage healthy and strong, and you both can hurt one another. You both have the ability to hurt one another by not thinking of one another, by not caring for one another, by refraining from that relationship. In that one little move, God puts those two people on equal footing, on equal ground. And that is what God has been doing. That is what Christ has been doing throughout these first two stories and now now. Because these little, these little children, these people who can't help themselves, every time God says, they're up here with you. You think of them as people who can't help themselves. You have pity on them. You have sorrow on them. But what God does is dwell with them, live with them, breathe with them, work with them, work for them. God brings them up. And finally, we get to the crux of the matter in that 15th verse in the 10th chapter of Mark. Because here Jesus says, Whoever does not welcome the kingdom of God as they would welcome little children will never enter it. Now there's two ways of translating this. I've often heard, I'm sure you've often heard, uh, the understanding of whoever does not welcome the kingdom of God as a little child would welcome it. And that's kind of that understanding. They'll never enter the kingdom. And ultimately, that's often preached and explained as having a childlike faith, having a simplistic faith. But that doesn't really fit the text, does it? Because Jesus has now addressed issues of physical power, spiritual power, and legal authority. And those are very messy issues, aren't they? <laughs> those are things that the Pharisees are arguing about. Those are things that the leaders are arguing about. Those are things that we still argue about today. Who should we feed? How much should we feed them? How much is it their responsibility to work? How much is it our responsibility to help them find work? How much is it our responsibility as the church to be for them, but not too much for them? We try to balance these things all the time inside of our conversations. And ultimately, we know that the calling of a Christian is not easy. Which brings us to the other way that you can translate this text. Whoever does not welcome the kingdom of God as they would welcome a child, as they would welcome a child, will never enter it. Now that matches what we've been talking about, doesn't it? Whoever does not welcome the kingdom of God, whoever does not welcome the reign of God, 
Whoever does not welcome the change that God is bringing into our society, into our midst, as they would welcome the least of these, the little ones, the ones who have nothing for themselves, will never see it. In this understanding, there is great news and there is condemning news, all in the same breath. The good news is that the kingdom of God has drawn near. It's incredibly near. It's all around us. It's constantly near. When will we ever run out of social injustice? Not anytime soon. So there is opportunity upon opportunity to experience and witness the kingdom of God in this world. The change that God brings. The downside is it's incredibly messy and not at all the way that we would want it to happen. The condemnation for us is that at times we pick clean and easy living over witnessing the kingdom of God. So as Lutherans, we hold this intention. We are saved. We are, what was the phrase last week? We are justified by grace through faith in God. As Lutherans, as Christians, we understand this to mean that while we are saved and while we are freed from all things in this world, we are then bound because we are saved by God. We are then bound the little children to the least of these in a very glorious way. I promise you that when we work for the little ones in this world, when we work for the kingdom of God in this world, we will be both incredibly, incredibly depressed in what we see and incredibly, incredibly blessed in getting to see it. God stepped down from heaven to be with us, because each one of us fills the role of those in need at some point in our life. Each one of us is going to be in the hospital bed. Each one of us is going to be sick. Each one of us is going to be hurt. Each one of us is going to be lonely. Each one of us is going to be depressed. Some of us occupy that space on a permanent basis, and some of us occupy that only in part. But ultimately, the kingdom of God will draw near. May God be with you and with me and soften our hearts that we might see the kingdom of God. Amen.